3, 2, 1. ¡Bienvenido a Miami! to Miami. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today is in Miami. He is a TEDx speaker, host of the Self-Employed Life Podcast with over a million downloads, author of Lingo, Discover Your Ideal Customer Secret Language and Make Your Business Irresistible, and the forthcoming book, The Self-Employed Life. Welcome, everybody, Jeffrey Shaw. Hey, I'm glad to be here with you. So cool. I, we never had anybody talking about specifically self-employed businesses. So I'm pumped. What's the difference? Freelancer, self-employed, entrepreneur? Well, that's the problem. Nobody's nobody's making that distinction. You know, I, I, I've, uh, I've been self-employed my entire life, literally since the age of 14. I've never had a traditional job. I never received a paycheck from anybody. So it's all I've known. And, you know, often when we when something's so familiar to us, we don't we don't see it as being unique. Um, but it's a unique experience being self-employed. And I realized that nobody's talking about it. And uh, when I started writing my book, The Self-Employed Life, because I felt like this was a conversation the world needed to have, I started hiring people to do uh, keyword research and SEO. I was relaunching my website and only to find out that no one is using the term self-employed. And I realized that's a core problem. Right, because being self-employed is different than entrepreneurship. It's different than freelancer. And actually, in my book, I go kind of through this breakdown, where you know, for me, one of the big problems is the most commonly searched term relative to to self-employment, if you will, is small business. But the problem is, small business is really inaccurate because in the U.S. anyway, small business is up to 500 employees. Now, 80% of small businesses have fewer than 20 employees. And more so, how about the companies that are fewer than five? How about the companies of one, which are the ones I really care about? And those are the self-employed businesses. And I realize we're, we're harming ourselves by not embracing the terminology of self-employed uh, life. And, uh, and I think that's a key component because to be self-employed, it is not just your business. It's your life. It's your life decisions. Um, so that's why I hone in on self-employed and separate it from all the other terms, because I think uh, once, once embraced, it more accurately describes the lifestyle and the business model. And that's important. What's the difference self-employed freelancer? Yeah. So a lot of it, a lot of the differences in these terms are vibes. Okay. So when somebody says freelancers, Hey, I, I want to like the terms. I like the word free in it, but the fact that is freelancer can also sound like you're a fly by night, right? Freelancer can also sound like you don't have a serious business model. Um, same thing as entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneur has shifted over the years. I think I've always thought entrepreneur was kind of a cool thing. I wanted to call myself. The problem is now a lot of people interpret entrepreneur as kind of in between jobs or they associate entrepreneur with like extreme hustle, which isn't necessarily the way people want to receive businesses and feel about businesses today. So I just can't find a term that's better than self-employed. Like I said, I, I like freelancer. I like the lifestyle it represents. Uh, I just don't think you're you're serving yourself as a business owner by calling yourself a freelancer, because I think you're also implying that you're not in it for the long haul. And I, I think in the end, that's a detriment. Absolutely. So I guess I am self-employed because since uh, decades, I, I pay my own salary. And uh, so let's explore. How's the life of the self-employed people right now in this funky year? 
Well, you know, I mean, hey, we always prove ourselves to be the most resilient, right? I mean, I think that's the cool thing, right? I think that one of the bigger challenges, and I'm, I don't know how this feels in other countries, but in the U.S., when the pandemic hit, I, I had already begun my book. So it's it's an audience I care deeply about. But very early in the pandemic, the U.S. government started talking about the CARES Act, okay, which would introduce these what were called the PPP loans, which are Paycheck Protection uh, loans. And um, I immediately got really concerned that as has always been the past, the self-employed business owners would be left out because they tended, the most government programs tended to be of businesses of a certain size, usually much larger than self-employed businesses. And um, so, but it, one of my biggest concerns was, and then, well, it, it changed, right? So what we had actually, the result of that was for the first time in U.S. history, self-employed business owners were called out in legislation. But here's what my, my concern was to your, the point of your question is that I was afraid self-employed people are so used to, to making it on their own, so used to taking the hit to the chin that they weren't going to ask for the help, help that was actually being legislated and made available to them. I was genuinely concerned and it proved out to be the case that a lot of self-employed people are just like, Hey, I'm so used to figuring this out on my own that, they didn't even notice that there actually was help available. So I think the state of self-employment right now is in a good, a really good place because I think for the first time, I think a lot of uh, self-employed businesses are recognizing that, that we need to support one another, if not get support from each other. We are the most adaptable, most resilient, and it's a trend. I mean, the fact of the matter is that, and I'm willing to bet this statistic holds true in most countries, um, by 2030, the expectation is here in the U.S. that 54% of the U.S. population will be self-employed. The trend is towards self-employment for a couple of reasons. One, with every time there's an increase in unemployment, there's an increase in self-employment. That makes sense. We also have younger generations that will know, will, all they know are side hustles, right? The younger, even more so like Gen Z, they're, they're all about the side hustle, so that they can stay at home, raise their kids, travel as they want to. So without a doubt, without a doubt, and there's even evidence with LinkedIn. We could talk about that too, but LinkedIn has pivoted and made some changes in their platform to adjust for personal brands and what they expect to be an increase in self-employment. So I think the, the world of self-employment is, is very healthy and thriving. How many people are self-employed right now in the world? So in the world, I don't know, because I've looked at the state here. I will give you a compare here in the U.S. Uh, I think in 2019, 30 million U.S. citizens filed a Schedule C, which would indicate self-employment. But if you include gig workers in there, your Uber drivers, Etsy creators, yeah, the projection is about 57 million in the U.S. alone. Right? That's, the big, that's a bigger population than, than a lot of countries. <laughs> So I, you know, and I don't think there's, I really don't think there's huge differences in the ratios in most countries. Uh, so it's, and it's only growing. And, and what I'd be curious about is how many of them are profitable. I'm sure many do good revenues, but how many of them are like really profitable? It creates more than they need. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's, let's, let's look at it this way. An indication of that is the fact that for the first time in history, the U.S. government stepped up to protect self-employed businesses. It's not because they're nice people and they're doing it at the kind of the heart. It's because 
self-employed businesses and small businesses drive the economy, no doubt. So they are profitable. They can be profitable. And they're profitable, if not in individual businesses and big numbers, profitable in volume. When you have that much of a, a, a citizenship being self-employed, like I said, it's not a mistake that governments are recognizing and offering financial stability to self-employed businesses. It's not by out of the kindness of the hearts. It's because it's it's the backbone of an economy. Now, some people are naturally naturally born uh, self-employed because they are just unemployable like me. There is no way, <laughs> no way you can manage me. So, I agree. So the unemployable people, of course, we self-employ. What about the in-between people, people who are who who have both options? Is there is there some trait of personality or some criteria where you would say, hey, be careful. If you have this trait, don't go self-employed. Hmm. That's a really interesting question. If you don't have this, if you don't have this trait, I would say, you know, first of all, I, I believe uh, you you learn to become what is necessary in a lot of ways. And not everybody is cut out for self-employment, for sure. I would say probably the most overriding characteristics that is needed. So if you're lacking this, this might not be the self-employment would not be your right choice is resiliency. I mean, it is, it is such an up and down experience. It's not a linear experience. You're going to take two steps forward, one step back or, or one step forward and two steps back. It is so not linear, but it's actually one of the foundational uh, concepts of my book because I've asked for the other years, I've asked every self-employed person I've ever asked why they became self-employed has the same answer. And it's a myth. Everybody says, oh, I, I became self-employed because I want to control my destiny. I want to control my future. I want to control the hours I worked. And I was like, well, how's that going for you? <laughs> and everybody laughs because the reality is it's a myth that you're going to gain control because when you're self-employed, you are more subject to the uncontrollable circumstances around you, whether it's the economy changing or market shifts, you're more susceptible to uncontrollable circumstances. What I have deemed possible and what I teach in my book is that you can't control the circumstances. The only thing you can do is create the environment that you want, that you create for the results you want. That you can control. You can control what you set up. You can control this, the environment for the results you want. And the rest of it, you have to allow it to be, but it's not linear. So I would say more than anything, it takes a whole lot of resiliency and the ability to pick yourself up. And, and I'll, I'll say a good, Good sprinkling of patience because we never, a true self-employed business owner never achieves the results they want as quickly as they want, <laughs> ever. <laughs> We're terrible with patience. Um, so, those if those if those if those two things get under your skin, then I would say self-employment is probably not for you. Most most things are out of our control, and if I think of what is really in my control. It's three things. It's it's my daily habit, my weekly habit, and my monthly habit. That's it. So That's it. my daily habit is how I apply my time, attention, resources. Uh, and if I learn from that, my weekly habit is getting all the marketing numbers, sales numbers, and ops numbers to learn from them. And my monthly habit is to check our positioning, our strategy, our vision, and our mindset. Uh, but everything else, really, we need to adapt week by week.
Yeah, yep. but to your point, you're setting, you're creating the environment for the results you want. And daily, ha- and so in my uh, in my in my book, I, I introduce what I call the self-employed ecosystem. The self-employed ecosystem consists of personal development, business strategies, and daily habits. So I love that you mentioned that, right? Because that is, and honestly, Simon, that's usually the most that's the the most common missing element. And it's the most critical because you need consistency in order to create consistent mindsets. The only way you can stay on track in uncontrollable circumstances is to have consistency to your life so that you don't get derailed. Otherwise, you're being pulled all over the place with the inconsistency of the world. So you're so right with your, your habit breakdown. I love that. I learned it the hard way because being self-employed <laughs> for 17 years, you you get punched in the face so many times that at some point you say, okay, I got to control this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you find nothing that you can control. So every day in the morning, I'm in control. The first three hours of my day, they are in my control. Uh, 5.15, I do my vision, uh, which is really feeling, sensing in three years where my business is, how it feels, how it smells, how it tastes. Then uh, I do some some breathing techniques to to really even anchor that even more and to to be centered. And then I go for exercise because I let it marinate uh, in in and embody. Mm-hmm. And and then breakfast. And then uh, much later, my kids my kids wake up. I play with them. And then I go to do my business. But still, yeah. I don't check emails or news. I do. Uh, I do a deep work, writing, uh, reading, and then in the afternoon, all the emails, meetings, and all that crazy stuff where we we serve, of course, the priorities of everybody else around us. Beautiful, beautiful. I, my, my habits are somewhat similar. It is, uh, for me, my big uh, consistent habits in the morning are meditation and reading. I read for about an hour to an hour and a half every day, uh, always nonfiction, always business. Uh, often, most often books that for, uh, authors I'm going to interview on my podcast. Uh, I meditate and I go for a nice long walk with my dog. Uh, I live on the ocean, so that's refueling for me. So it's, um, yeah, consistency is it's, I said, consistent patterns and consistent habits creates a consistent mindset and it's critical to being self-employed. And I want to know of the all these books that you have read, the three top, top, top. But after, one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. We're back in Miami. <laughs> of your books. Oh, my gosh. You know, and this is so hard because I do. I read, I read 100 books a year. I read two books a week. Um, it's something I live by, so it's hard to pick a favorite, but I'm going to go with these. So one for sure, and it's not a new book and that's what I love. If it holds up, it's good. It's a, uh, to sell as human by Daniel Pink. Uh, that book really reframed how I felt about selling, which to be honest with you, Simon has, unlike a lot of people selling, never creeped me out. I've always felt fine with selling. I've always felt deserving of, uh, selling my services. And, um, so it's never been a hang up, but what I loved about, uh, to sell as human is that it shifted my mindset to really focusing on moving people. 
And in, if you look at it from a business perspective, we're trying to move people from indecision to decision. We're trying to move people into our services. We're trying to move people from one level of service to another. But what I really latched on to is the step before that is we need to emotionally move them before we can expect them to move from one service to another or one decision to another. So I really like how the book framed for me, my takeaway from it was what it really, it, it raised the bar for me to really step into emotionally moving people before I'd ask. Okay. So that's one book. I watched his masterclass and he's so funny. He says, says it's like the weather. It's everywhere. He's yeah. so funny. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great guy. I've interviewed him. Uh, my second book, not a popular one is called change or die. And uh, I was fascinated by this one because I, as a trained coach in, in the personal development business, uh, of course, I'm intrigued by what really inspires change. And I think same thing, like in, in my new book, I, I explore a lot about where motivation really comes from. Um, and as I think the answers to many things, whether it's change or motivation is backwards of what it seems. And uh, what I found fascinating about Change or Die is that it was written by a heart surgeon. And he became, uh, the author became intrigued as to why such a small percentage of his heart patients, of his heart patients changed their life in order to save their life. And he realized that fundamentally change is usually inspired the wrong way because especially in the medical field, we often try to initiate change through force facts and fear. And it's not what inspires people to create lasting change. What creates lasting change is giving people a, a reframe, a different way to look at things, uh, a community to relate to so they have support and repetition, sort of like what you and I were just saying. So uh, that's been a really instrumental book in how, as a coach, how I have uh, inspired my clients to make big and substantial changes in their lives. The third one is a brand new book. It's actually not out yet. Uh, it's called Swagger by Leslie M, uh, E-H-M, is her, how you spell her last name. Leslie, uh, she, she's a good friend. And I will tell you, I mean, whenever I'm reading a book of a good friend, they're at a disadvantage because if I know them well, it's hard for me to be impressed by their book. <laughs> you know, in all fairness, it's just a warning for all my friends. I read your books. Like I'm holding you to a different standard because you're not a stranger to me. And But le even under that higher standard, Leslie's book, Swagger, blew me away. I think it's one of the books, one of the best books I've read in probably the past three to four years. Uh, Swagger, you know, it's what's, to, you'd have to hear Leslie define Swagger. Swag, to, I def I, my takeaway about Swagger is it's, it's being comfortable in your skin. It's not cockiness. It's not that shoulder swagging stuff. It's not fake it till you make it. It is really being truly comfortable in your skin. But where I see this as a game-changing and life-changing book is I think it's the new conversation in the world. We've been having a lot of conversations for years about vulnerability and imposter syndrome and inner critic and all is well and good. But where do we go with it from here? Swagger to me is the answer to all those conversations. Swagger to me is about dropping into where what you already have that's been covered up and really stepping into your swagger to answer the imposter syndrome and the inner critic and the self-doubt and the lack of self-worth. Swagger is the answer to all of it. And I truly think this book is, is, is a game changer. So there are my three books. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, Swagger was, was never mentioned here. Beautiful. It's a brand new book. Comes out May 10th. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's a game changer. Everybody needs to pre-order it and get ready. Haha. <laughs> and um, what are you excited about looking forward with your business, with your activities? 
Oh gosh, you know, the again, the, the conversation on self-employment is so underutilized. So what I'm most excited about is I feel like I'm creating a whole world for self-employed people. Uh, I literally, I created a page on my website, which is uh, the selfemployedlife.me. And it's it's supposed to be the book page, right? But I told my publisher, I said, I, I can't just like put a book up there because the fact matter is I'm creating an entire world for self-employed people. Yes, it's the book, but I also, I'm just coming off uh, this past Monday and Tuesday, I organized and led a two-day online self-employed summit with 10 speakers, hundreds of people in attendance. It was amazing. It proved itself that it needs to be an annual event because there is no annual event for self-employed business owners. It doesn't exist. So I created an online version and I'm either gonna continue it as an online version or I may do a live version here in Miami. Uh, I've got my podcast, The Self-Employed Life. I've created an assessment tool, uh, which is selfemployedassessment.com so that people can see where they uh, need to work on their self-employed system. I'm creating an educational business school specifically for self-employed people. I'm writing articles. I started an advocacy group so that I could represent self-employed businesses uh, it, on a governmental level and make sure that our rights are protected. So what I'm excited about, as you can tell by the, you know, this is a long list of things I've accomplished in the past year. And it's because I want to create a world for self-employed business owners because nobody else is doing it. And actually it was Leslie M who I just spoke of Wagger when I was, I was complaining to her that nobody's doing this. Nobody's talking to self-employed business owners. And she looked at me and said, and why not you? And I said, you're right. Why not me? And so that's what I'm excited about. I'm really excited about creating a whole world for self-employed business owners so that we get the information we need. We're not running all over the place and we don't feel like we're in it alone. So cool. And uh, tell us about your podcast. When did you start? Why did you start? So uh, my podcast now called The Self-Employed Life was rebranded this past September when I really started taking ownership of this space of self-employed business owners. It was previously called Creative Warriors. I started it in July of 2014. Uh, so it's been over seven years. We've broadcast nearly 700 episodes. Um, we reach, we're in over 200 countries. We get about 30,000 listeners a month. So it's, it's grown a lot over the years. And I started it as Creative Warriors because I have been for 36 years a, a family portrait photographer for very affluent families. And I do very little of it today, but that was my mainstay income for 25 years prior to pivoting to coaching uh, about 12 years ago. And um, so I started it initially as a podcast for creatives in business and that it takes the spirit of a warrior to make it through, right? But what I realized is that it wasn't the problems I was solving wasn't just the problems of creatives in business. It was the problems of self-employed business owners. <laughs> so the show broadened to include many, many more industries than just those in creative businesses. Um, and that's why in this past year, it just made sense to just rebrand it and call it what it is and, and make it the self-employed life. Beautiful. I will listen to it. And many, many here listening right now, they like podcasts because otherwise they wouldn't be here and they are self-employed. So yeah. people, let's, let's hop on it. Beautiful. There is a world for us. Let's, let's go there. Beautiful. Yes. Where can people uh, stay in touch with you? Best? Uh, well, I mentioned the aforementioned uh, self, the self-employed, <clears throat> excuse me, the self-employed life.me. <clears throat> it's a great place to start. Um, 
the my main website is jeffreyshaw.com, but I like to be more specific. You know, so you don't have to hunt around. You don't have time to hunt around for stuff. So go to the selfemployedlife.me. Uh, and really, you know, I think a, a useful thing for everybody listening in to do is to take that assessment. Uh, it's a brand new tool. Uh, it's a custom algorithm, and that can be found at selfemployedassessment.com because it will. The, the beginning of change is first knowing what needs to be changed. It's awareness, right? Change begins with awareness. And uh, that custom algorithm, after you answer a few questions, will start pointing you in the direction of what needs to be changed. And then there are opportunities for videos for further exploration. So to me, that's a great way to get to know my thought processes. And to uh, I always lean towards building relationships first. So maybe the best place to start is selfemployedassessment.com. And uh, two more questions to Miami. One is uh, when everybody zigs, this person zags. But from your perspective, this person is doing the right thing. Who do you pick for a strategy award? This is a tough one because, of course, I also wanted to, to say Leslie M. But uh, I'm actually going to go with, because uh, I wanted to give you some variety. I'm going to go with uh, another friend, but a well-known author. His name is Brant Mensoir. And I... I chose him mainly because of the zagging part, right? To me, Brant Brant is uh, literally a rock star. He's in a band, and he and he used to be quite a well known musician. Uh, he's zigzagged into speaking, and he wrote a book that came out last year called Black Sheep, which is a just a fantastic book. It's about finding what he calls your black sheep values, which are your unchangeable core values. And Brant has a way of, you know, so I guess. Why is that important? It, it's not just important. It's not knowing your core values is not just a nice to have. And when I started asking Brant questions about this, I was very clear. Like, I've done a lot of coaching. I've received over a thousand hours of training. But what the difference is by understanding your core values, it's how you show up in the world changes how people see you, and that is how the end result is: is that you get customers that you're aligned with. If you're a speaker like I am, you have events reaching out to you for you to speak that you are perfectly aligned with. It changes your alignment in life. When you know your core values, you express your core values. People that are either intrigued or agree with those core values are drawn into your life. But what also makes Brant zig zigzag is that um, he's really changing up the world of uh, book promoting. Because when he launched his book, he found some of the traditional way of marketing books to be ineffective. So he now has started, he and a partner uh, have started a company called Bookstar PR, which for which I am a client of, because I, I believe in what he's doing so much. And it's really looking at marketing a traditional medium like books in a different way. Uh, and it's cool. He's doing, he's, he's doing some really cool things, or his agency is doing some really cool things. So he's definitely a guy that that zags when other people, or zigs when other people zag. And sh who should be my next guest? I have for that, I have to go with Leslie M. Um, because of, of the message of Swagger, she'll also be one of the most entertaining people you'll ever meet. I always say she's the biggest heart walking around on the world on two legs with the mouth of a truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just, you know, she just knows how to get the job done. She, she embodies what it means to have Swagger. So without a doubt, your next guest should be Leslie M. Absolutely, I'm intrigued. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for being on the show. You have some new followers on your podcast. And uh, please come back soon. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. 
we have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.